that's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast rewatching and discussing Batman v Superman one single minute at a time. Our podcast journey has reached a minute 97. Superman and Lois are still on the balcony of her reasonably priced hotel room. The Washington Monument is still in full view behind Superman. And in this scene, there's a whole lot going on that is unsaid. So as we tend to do when, when something needs no words to describe it, we have to talk it to death. Are you ready for 97? <laughs> yes, I am. This means something. It did on my world. My world doesn't exist anymore. I think it's cool that in the last minute, it's very obvious that Superman has given up hope. Well, Clark has given up the hope of Superman. He doesn't believe that it's real, that it can't possibly exist. It was his father's dream, and he's been trying to make that a reality. And as Superman, you know, the, the symbol of hope is being questioned based on what's happened here. Again, based on the exact manipulation of Lex Luthor to get this to happen. Lois just places her hand on his chest, and you know everyone in the audience and every single viewer watching this has hope uh, basically said explicitly. Again, he was talking about his feelings about his father, which was their first conversation together as Clark and Lois. And now we go to his symbol as meaning hope, which was their first conversation as Superman and Lois. And she says, hey, buddy, this still means something. This is all a lot of people have. The work that you're doing was not just righting wrongs for a ghost. You were making a difference. Doubting that you were put on this earth to do good does not change the fact that you have done good, that you are doing good, that all of these people that are saying, you're a devil figure, no, you're a messiah. The point is you are setting out to do good and you are, and you are making a difference. And it's exactly what we would hope for to come from Lois Lane in this moment and Clark has a pretty good retort, actually, to, to all of this. The kind of he makes a point of saying it only meant that on my world, but my world doesn't exist anymore, and then leaves. And there are there's the there's the mechanics of the actual scene, which are the actual framing of it. Like we talked about the possible significance symbolically and metaphorically of the Washington Monument. There's also a really just beautifully constructed sequence of shots. He is both figuratively and like literally just darkened. Yeah, I, I think that th this is a little bit off topic for the podcast, but also kind of still on, on point for the, I guess not off topic for the podcast, but <laughs> it's it's a little bit of a departure. But the the kind of resonance that this scene has always kind of, to me, went back to the core of what this movie means to me. That's why I think it's it's kind of so fascinating that that's what this is about here, where she says this this means something. And it was kind of fascinating in the period between this movie coming out or and Zack Snyder's Justice League coming out. You had Zack Snyder leaving Justice League, and then the the Whedon edit of the of the movie came out. 
and that it, there was just this sense of this story used to mean something. And I remember that was one of my, the first thoughts after after watching the Whedon cut was like, well, it did it did in Zach's story, but that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it was funny because that this scene always reminded me of that when I, when I would watch it as a sort of meta level, um, which ironically the two themes then come together in uh, in the next movie, which is another you're, podcast. You're shouting, Henry, there are people behind this. <laughs> right. But no, I mean, it also is really cool, like, t- to say of how just clouded he is, that he's set between this incredibly bright Washington monument and Lois's lit balcony, that it, like, he's obviously physically split between light and dark, and <laughs> light and dark signified by Lois. Um, and dark signified by everything to do with Washington that he's now experienced. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and then and then that comes to a comes to a point literally on the on the bridge of his nose. Half of his face is dark, and half of his face is light, which is just visually interesting, but also cinema cinema graphically is the the language is is indicative of a a, a split in in someone's character or determination or they are a divided person they are not whole their their two halves are not aligned and that is very much where he is now interesting that you say split between a person we were talking before about how clark and superman right two different people is he one is he the other superman is outside and is other but then clark is as american as you get he is of the world. He was sent here to be a person for the world. He has two fathers. <laughs> Just him saying this meant something on my world is saying is othering himself, right? Saying that this is not my world. Yeah. Well, this is coming from the man who at the end of the last movie said, I'm from Kansas. I'm as American as you can yeah. get. Now he's saying, I don't belong here. These yeah. people are not and my that people. that has been made clear. Yeah. I don't feel at home anymore. I mean, he's literally, he's standing in the Superman suit on, like, it's just, he, he, he's out of place. Just to go back to what we were saying with, like, the Man of Steel stuff, I took the leap of faith and trust did not come. Part of this is wrapped up in, I mean, it continues to emphasize his split nature where Superman was supposed to be the symbol, right? Superman was supposed to be this uniting figure. And now he's saying Superman wasn't real. This is not my world. I'm an alien. Like, I don't belong here. He has forgotten what the world can be and what one's world can be, obviously. Hint. As we we go (laughs) forward into the movie. The one thing I did want to call out, though, because it's the first opportunity we've really had where Lois places her hand, and this is perfectly fitting in, in terms of the timeline of the movie, is... There was the addition of Kryptonian script to the S shield for Batman v Superman, like visible through the middle of the S, doubling down on this being a symbol. But it was it's also spread um, throughout the suit, and some people may know and some people may not, but it's not meant to be a fictional. It is in the text of the film. It is not in the text of the Kryptonian, you know, like fictional storyline. It's, it's an Easter egg, not a... Uh, not a yes. plot point. It is a quote by Joseph Campbell of Earth <laughs> that that Superman did not weave into his suit. In fact, costume designer Michael Wilkinson did that with with director Zack Snyder. 
And I think it, it speaks to what's going on here. And I, for, for context, obviously, Joseph Campbell is the person who is famous for describing the hero journey and the hero's, the hero's journey that like every mythical figure follows. And we, we talk about so much of this stuff that Superman is following in the path of Greek myth, etc., etc. Um, but one of the things that I think is forgotten about or is kind of misstated about Joseph Campbell is that the hero's journey specifically was descriptive. It, it was, um, it isn't, here's what you need to have a hero story. It was Joseph Campbell saying, these are the steps that describe the stories we tell. They're not prescribing what the story needs. All of these different stories go through the same steps. And on top of that, these stories are told to teach us something. It's not just for entertainment. These steps that heroes go through are the steps that we go through as regular people. That's why they're all the same. That's why they are repeated. And that's why they resonate so strongly with people. And he put this together. This is one of his quotes in The Hero Path. Quote, I'm quoting Joseph Campbell. We have not even to risk the adventure alone for the heroes of all time have gone before us. The labyrinth is thoroughly known. We have only to follow the thread of the hero's path. And where we had thought to find an abomination, we shall find a god. And where we had thought to slay another, we shall slay ourselves. And where we had thought to travel outward, we shall come to the center of our own existence. And where we had thought to be alone, we shall be with all the world. That quote, broadly, it's a comment on what the Superman story, what this Superman story is intended to be, I think. I think that fits with what we've been talking about. In the story, at this exact moment that we can see it, it is saying that what Superman is going through is sadly the most human thing that he could experience. But because of his circumstance and his conflict, he is responding to it by saying, I've never been more disconnected from humanity. When sadly, he thinks himself to be alone, he is with all the world because he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Why do bad things happen to good people? If a bad thing happened and I wasn't focused on it, is it my fault? And fortunately for most people, they have someone to say, no, don't beat yourself up. Uh, but because he's Superman, there are hundreds and thousands of TV pundits and regular people lining up to say, absolutely, yes, everything you believe that is wrong about yourself is totally true because you're not like us. <laughs> right. Thus is the dilemma, right? It was never simple. <laughs> I like that called out in this minute just because it, in a minute that seems to be doing, we talk about a lot about how people want more scenes with Clark and Lois, or people want more scenes about like characterizing that. I think this is one scene that could be taken as totally plot. If you the dialogue that's being spoken and this the stuff that is being echoed in this scene again, remembering this is like act two of his first act with Lois in Man of Steel, there is so much characterization going on with Clark that he has again, sadly, in his own hero's journey, he has faltered, right? This is. Now the moment of doubt when he questions everything that he not only believed, but pretended to believe because it came from his father, was told to be his destiny, and now he's saying, I don't want any of it. I don't want this. I'm going to go off and mope for a little bit. Yeah. Well, and that's where it's, that's where it's interesting. He says, I've been, like, I've been writing wrongs for a ghost. It's fascinating for his kind of breaking point in this movie to be when he realizes that Superman was just the dream of a farmer from Kansas, when the last movie was so much about 
his two fathers and the kind of split in their worlds and and their desires for him. But then this movie is the movie where he calls his mom in the middle of the night yeah. when he just needs to say hi and just to hear her voice. What she tells him is that nothing was ever simple. She says, you never owed these pe- people a thing. It's it's interesting how I don't think it conflicts with Jonathan Kent. And we talked about this back in that minute, but it's interesting how kind of the the different approaches of Jonathan and Martha come into play and the way that they shape who he is and kind of what he needs to hear from each of them at any time, because his mistake here and what led him to this point was, was trying to be the Superman that he thought his father wanted him to be. And that he thought society wanted him to be when what Martha is telling him is you be the Superman you need to be for you or be none of it. Yeah, exactly. Or or if, if you are going to be preoccupied with whatever one else wants of you, then, then don't be any of it at all. Which really, as we were saying in the last minute, is I think what Jonathan was really getting at. It's just that he never had the opportunity. He, he died before he could teach Clark that full lesson. <laughs> I believe that the day will come when these powers are a gift and you will stand proudly with them before all mankind or not. Yeah. He did not mean that the same way that Martha does when she says, be all of it or be none of it. I think Jonathan was showing his hand a little bit of... Then at the same time, he's countered by saying, I fear they'll reject you. I am conflicted about how I see the world. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's such a bummer too, because Clark still seems to think that he knows how his father felt and how his father viewed the world. This is also obviously echoes with Bruce, like all of this stuff completely. Zack Snyder said, oh, so this guy, this boy who who is the son of two fathers, and is given a mission for something greater by each, loses both of them before he's out of, like, college? Okay, so then the Superman story is him trying to figure out what kind of man his fathers wanted him to be, right? That's what the story is then. Is this mission they chose for me mine? Or at some point, do I have to stop and say, I'm not living my life. I need to actually figure this out for myself. I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted in ways that they weren't, is what I think Clark is thinking. Yeah. When we know both Jonathan and Jorel to be massively figures of split between two worlds or two minds about something. Well, and it's fascinating. And, and I go back to this all the time because the thing that stuck with me before seeing Man of Steel was an interview with David Goyer talking about how as he was writing the script, he became a father and he lost his father. And that always really stuck out to me. And I cannot watch the movie without being reminded of that. And so it's really fascinating. I mean, having since having seen Man of Steel, having become a father in the meantime and and trying to like there's a point as an adult where you you don't, I don't know, s- separate from like the, the father son relationship is is complicated in that you are supposed to replace them or you're supposed to like you want your child to be superior. And so then they have a superiority complex, (laughs) but you don't want to give like, there's so many. And so they're becoming a father and realizing like, Oh, sometimes you need to give them like, you don't want to make the decision for them. Even if it's what you want for them, you need to allow them to make the decision themselves. You know, you can lead them to the water, but you can't make them drink. And, and there's situations like that where you think, 
like this is not my decision to make for them. I can only kind of set them up for it or or tease it for them. Problem is that when you it then the then the child <laughs> on their end is trying to interpret like okay, well what does my father want for me and what am I expected to become? And and that's I think what Clark has very much done here is kind of internalized a message from his father that wasn't really a message, really a complete message so much as a paradigm that he was trying to imbue with him. It's it's a yeah, it's a interesting kind of dynamic that that leads to that. If I pose the question to you early enough, maybe you will come up with an answer that I couldn't or like in aggregate the wisdom that I'm passing on to you will give you some kind of clarity. But I think right now we can definitely say Clark has been made to lose focus mm-hmm. and forget why he's here. Like he's for him to even say, I've been lying to myself thinking I'm here to do good. He is like, he's sounding like someone, you know, who wants to see Superman saving more cats from trees or something. Um, despite Lois saying, no, no, you got this. You're doing great. I think this is really cool. Just how well this, this scene here is teeing up Jonathan to say, my life was defined by you can try to do good things and bad happens. And that didn't make sense or that didn't stop until. And that wisdom is ready to be passed on to Clark because then, or maybe now, he is close to able to realize it. He's, he's dealt with the garbage enough to see the conclusion that his father came to. Yeah, exactly. Well, and this all strikes at the, at the heart of why this whole story exists. And, and this whole story, I mean, the story Zack Snyder was telling is to him, it, the why is the most important part. And be, before Superman can be Superman, he must understand why. And the audience must understand why. Not everybody was kind of in love with <laughs> that approach, at least initially. But I think like this discussion here, I think, shows how it's it's so important just to to having the foundation of the character set, because when when Superman is not serving, not understanding of and serving the why of his own existence and he's serving the the writing wrongs for a ghost or writing wrongs for a society that doesn't understand him or want him or rejects him, then you end up where he is right now. It's not until he to peel back the curtain a little bit unjustly by the minute. It's not until he embraces himself and who he is and what he can accomplish for, for himself or for his ideals that he can be the Superman that, that saves the, the whole world. Well, while we have this great insight into why Superman is, we get a great update now switching to what Lex Luthor is doing. My worst segue so far, but... The minute is split down the middle between Superman taking off and we cut to Lex Luthor, someone no stranger to daddy issues, accessing, well, well, I guess applying fingerprints of Zod to access the Kryptonian ship, entering the Genesis chamber of the ship that is going to end up being very important to the overall plot of Superman's journey through these Snyder films. Based on the clothing he's wearing, this is previously where he told the senator it's cherry previous to that he had said i want access to the kryptonian ship and zod's body we got a glimpse forward in time to lex and his chorus yeah giving us a glimpse of him walking onto the ship 
with the suitcase. And now we have reached that point in the timeline, which I now realize is so it's just added that 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 scene for him, we his plan was developing so perfectly that back then we saw this happening. Yeah. And that makes the the stylistic kind of editing of that also look differently what looking it was like literally a chorus i guess yeah well you you look back on it and it and it does feel very much like the 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 clock is ticking in his head i i do think the the biggest thing i think a lot of this is is um worth breaking down in the next minute but the the one thing that we see here that i think is really a fascinating part of lex's character that we'll kind of see play out a little bit more it's always fascinating how not squeamish he is and we see that in, in in a bunch of different aspects, but in this scene specifically, it's the way that he just climbs into the birthing chamber in his suit. Well, the way he glues a corpse's fingerprints onto his fingers. Yeah, it's, it's very like sociopathic behavior of like, like, I'm pretty sure that's amniotic fluid is because this is this used to be a birthing chamber, right? Isn't, wasn't this the... It looks like the Genesis chamber, yes. Yeah, and... Which, which... So, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's just... He does not hesitate to to plunge his feet into the... Yeah, game. and we see him do more stuff along those lines later on. I mean, we already saw him, like, the Jolly Rancher and the Jar of Piss. You know, if we're going to go back to our, our Patreon to listen to our debate on... On whether or not he actually pissed in a jar, here is should have been exhibit A. Lex climbs into a pool of amniotic fluid without flinching. He's got no like foibles about. That is perfectly where where the minute ends. Um, my last note is Lex into the goo, uh, and the music is cueing in here. I he is stepping into a very he's stepping back in a Man of Steel. Um, we talk about that a lot, like. This is all very evocative of Man of Steel. Like, obviously, this portion of the movie is now calling back heavily to the first movie. We've had it. We've, I mean, that happens all the time. And so it's almost pointless it's to say. It's such an interesting through line in this trilogy of Man of Steel, BVS, and Zack Snyder's Justice League of every time you get to the ship, it's like time kind of stops. And right. it, it, is, it's, it is a very specific. It's on Earth, but it's a different time and place. And it's really kind of cool how even though each movie kind of has its own different tone and story and everything, they step into the ship and you're like, oh, this is this is the scout ship. Yeah. And presumably no one has been here since. Right. Because the, the, this has been closed. He's figured out how to access this part of the ship, which is therefore like the most untouched piece of Krypton. Yeah. On Earth. So him entering the fluid is just even more desecrating. Ugh. We don't know what he's here for. We don't know what he came to do, but this is obviously his master plan. So say goodbye to this minute and Lex say goodbye to those shoes. <laughs> I hope. I can only hope. He's going to play basketball. A very on cool him. minute. Nope. Never again. And we know why. And why would you bring that up? That will do it for minute 97. Where we're setting up for some very exciting ones for the podcast. I will just say that. As Stephen said, if you want to hear us discuss Lex Luthor's Jar of Pee for one entire hour, uh, you can do that by supporting the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Snyder Minute. We appreciate everyone who does that. We also appreciate everybody who just listens and, and shares their thoughts with us on Twitter at BVS by the Minute, on Patreon, anything that SnyderMinute.com can do to encourage people talking about Lex going feet first into amniotic fluid is something that I am proud to have my name attached to. 
Facebook and Instagram slash Snyder Minute for both. Also, we we leave it there. Uh, this is this might even be the weirdest minute we've been left at. With okay, Lex enters the amniotic goo. Minute ninety eight. What is Lex going to do in that goo? And so it's really fascinating. I mean, having since having seen Man of Steel. So, your cat freaking out? Yep. 